0: It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live.
1: Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you are On
0: Giants.com. You know
1: what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants
2: Mobile App. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network.
3: Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. And have some fun. Happy Labor Day Monday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants Mobile App. John Schmelk. Lance Meadow, and Paul Dettino with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. It's hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us and reach us that way, you can. But we will be taking calls with you for the next hour, talking Giants football. Gentlemen... It is game week, week one of the regular season is here. We are just three days away from the first game of the NFL regular season, Bucks and Cowboys on Thursday Night Football, and then the Giants host the Denver Broncos to open their season on September 12th. It's finally here, we build up every year, and now we can finally start talking about some real games. About time, right fellas? Absolutely. Don't you think? (laughs) It's been quite the marathon to get here, so it's nice that we finally arrived. Yeah, we actually had some preseason games this year to talk about, which was nice, but it's obviously not the same. So let's get ready. It is game week, and just for the record, folks, this should be our start time throughout the regular season: twelve thirty to one thirty every Monday through Friday for Big Blue Kickoff Live. Just so you guys understand our process here, we only over the weekend got our media schedule for the week, which is why I didn't want to announce anything firm. We still don't actually have the full schedule for the week yet, but we did get Monday. Uh, But from what I understand, 1230 to 130 should be right after Coach Judge pretty much every day, or at least on on the days there are media. And then – that takes us to 1.30, which is during practice, and the players will be available right afterwards. So we have to work around those media availabilities, and that's what we will do throughout the year right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. You'll have your normal list of hosts. You'll have myself, Lance, and Paul will be our primary host depending on the day. We'll have Jeff Fegels a couple times a week. We're going to have David Deal with us once a week. We're going to have Howard Cross with us once a week. Uh, depending on the day and depending on the week, that should get more consistent once we get past that Thursday game and. The second week of the year, September 16th, at Washington. And then we should settle into a nice little schedule as we head into the rest of the regular season. So, guys, we've taken the end of last week to preview the season for the Giants and for the other teams. So to start off today, and I want to make sure we get in a lot of calls here. I know it's a Labor Day, so maybe we won't have as many people listening as usual. But I want to give them an opportunity to get in. We did a preview of of the league, of the Giants, of the season. So here's what I want to do this week. And Lance, I want to start with you on this one. If what needs to go right for the Giants this year, for them to get to 10 and 7, 11 and 6, whatever you think the number needs to be for them to win the division, what in your mind will this year look like what needs to go right for the Giants to get to that number?
4: Well, I think the first thing starts on the offensive side of the ball, John. They have to average more than 17 and a half points per game. I think they need to get into that 22 point barometer i think a touchdown more is a lot to ask for in the span of one season i certainly think it's feasible but i think 22 may be more realistic so you got to get there to start they have to score more points than they did last season and you assume that that cause will be helped by talent returning from injury and what they did in free agency but on top of that I also think they need to be able to stop the run on defense. And I said this when Dalvin Tomlinson left in free agency, my one concern was who's going to fill the void? We have yet to see that because we really don't have much to go by in the preseason and we haven't had a regular season game. So if you were to ask me the keys on both sides, One, you have to score more points, which is tied into red zone efficiency. To me, that would be the number I'd focus on. It was only 46% last season in which they scored touchdowns every time they got within the 20. And I think they need to be able to stop the run. I think the pass rush will be more piecemeal, but stopping the run is going to help set up the pass rush and also make plays on the back end for the secondary. So those are the two things I think have to click in order for the Giants to be in contention for the division win.
1: Paul, same question to you. Well, John, mine have been the same for months, and nothing that's happened during the preseason has changed my mind about the three potential Achilles heels that must not happen if the Giants are going to be a playoff team. That is, obviously, the offensive line needs to do what they need them to do. You can't have any guys falling short. You're only as good as your weakest link. You can't even have one real gaping hole on that line. Even the the guy who's number five on that line is, Has to be functional and adequate. Whoever it turns out to be. Saquon Barkley has to be a semblance of himself. He doesn't have to be 100%. But if he's 85 to 90. That's fine. That'll get you a thousand yards rushing for the season. And that will do enough to scare opposing defensive coordinators. And the third thing. Is that Daniel Jones must play like he did. During the final six weeks of last year's regular season. If he does that then I don't think anybody's going to be complaining because the rest of the Giants' defense should do enough with Jones playing at that level to make them a playoff team. I think you guys checked a lot of the boxes
3: there. I'll just kind of add a couple little pieces of nuance there. I think Lance hit it on the head. I, I would like to get him, Lance, to, to 23 points per game. I think that would be a good number. It will put him right around like the 18th or so ranked offense um, in, in the league. So I think... That's a really good place to be, and I think how you do that goes back to what Paul talked about. You need the offensive line to hold up. It doesn't have to be great. We've t- I've talked about it all off season. You need to be closer to around, if not league average, just get you know into that twenty to twenty second in terms of you know pressure percentage allowed, things like that. You know we'll look at sacks allowed and things like that, but you need to have the offensive line to a point where it doesn't impact what Jason Garrett is calling offensively. He needs to have confidence on a second and you know eight, a third and 11, to just do a five-step drop, not have to leave a bunch of guys into block, So you can complete those second and third and long passes. So that to me is the key for the offensive line where you just need to be able to run your offense and specifically your passing game to the point where you do not need to make adjustments to your scheme based on the play of the offensive line. So that I think is very important. Daniel Jones, Paul talked about his performance the last six games. I'll make it even more specific needs to continue to cut down on the turnovers while making more big plays. So, With Daniel, we talked about his first year, right? He had a lot of big-time throws. He had a lot of big games in terms of production. The second year, some of that disappeared. But he nearly cut his turnover-worthy plays in half. Combine those two now. Keep the turnovers down, but get back to the highly productive games he had in his first year as a rookie. Try to balance those out a little bit. Now, it might not be exactly where you want it. Maybe you bring back some of the big plays, but the turnovers tweak up a little bit. Or maybe the turnovers stay down and continue to decrease. He had 17 turnover-worthy plays last year. I'd like to get those down a little bit more. Maybe the big plays don't get quite where you want them to be. But you want to make a better balance of those than you had last year. And a big part of that is making more plays down the field. Daniel Jones was a very efficient deep ball thrower last year. In fact, on passes, I think, over 20 yards, I think he might have led the NFL in, in quarterback rating, and his accuracy percentage, according to some of the metrics, were the highest in the NFL last year on passes over 20 yards. But the volume wasn't where you wanted it to be. You want more of those big plays down the field. And with this improved receiving core, I think you, you, there's a real chance to get there. And, again, that comes back to health, too, with Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney. Health goes without saying. And defensively, look, I think if you can patch together the exact same pass rush you had last year in terms of sack numbers, even pressure percentage, I think you're going to be okay. But you need to, I think, continue the good play in the secondary, and a big part of that is preventing big plays. The Giants were top five last year in preventing plays over 20 yards through the air and plays over 40 yards through the air. You keep that up. Make teams sustain those long drives down the field. Good things will happen. I think the defense will be strong again, barring injuries. There's no reason not to think it won't be, even though defense can be unpredictable year to year. I do think it will continue down that path for the Giants. So I think you guys say that those are my additions to it, and I'll open it up to you, Lance, if you want to comment on anything that Paul and I said, and then, Paul, you can add as well.
4: Well, the only thing I'll add is those explosive plays that you referenced, I think they need to translate to touchdowns. I'm not looking so much at the volume of the explosive plays. Certainly they need the volume, but it's about what you then do with those high explosive plays because we saw flashes of them as you threw out the numbers, but then they'd get down within the 20 and then they would wind up settling for a field goal or worse, turning the ball over. Which by the a way, penalty.
3: Lance goes back to red zone offense too.
4: Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's why to me, I'm looking at the red zone efficiency. Now, granted you can have touchdown passes from 30 yards out and yep. maybe your red zone efficiency is not going to make or break your season. But I think more often than not, if you look at the trends in recent NFL history you're going to get down within the 20 especially if you put long sustainable drives together and you have to have a way to punch that in for example the Steelers got into the red zone a lot last season and you know even they struggled and they were a playoff team that started off 11 and 0 but it came back to bite them eventually so you need that balance you need that mix and then as far as Daniel Jones's production that Paul was referencing in the second half of the season yes his decision making needs to be at the same pace but his production in terms of putting points on the board needs to skyrocket because if you look at from week nine on, and granted Daniel Jones was hurt, remember, for two games, and he didn't play the full game against the Arizona Cardinals. Colt McCoy came in late. We're talking about just six touchdown passes from week nine all the way through week 17. So the decision-making, the ball security, you want to duplicate that, but you want to see better production that leads to points, which I think is going to be critical because, guys, remember, they only had 12 touchdown passes. As a team, that's McCoy and Daniel Jones combined last season. Daniel had 24 touchdown passes in his rookie year. You want to get back to that rookie year volume. And then you'd like to add a little bit more. I think that 24 to 27 barometer is certainly doable given the extra game, but that's going to require you doubling your production from last season and also making sure you stay healthy. He has missed at least two starts in each of his first two seasons in the NFL.
1: Well, Lance, I think you're only stating the obvious. In fact, you're you're kind of doubling down because, to be frank with you, if Daniel Jones plays as well as he did over those final six games with a Barkley in the lineup, with a Gallaudet in the lineup, with a Rudolph in the lineup, automatically his touchdown passes will go up, his production will go up, and the offense will go up. He simply has to play that caliber of ball. The points are automatically going to come with better weapons around him instead of the guys who had playing with him at the skill positions at the end of last season. So you've really only doubled down on what I said, but I appreciate that.
4: Well, but I wasn't countering anything you said, Paul. No, no, I, no, 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 but, but I you, mean, you, 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 were, so you were taking it to another level up like that. asking
1: him to give you I, more points production. He doesn't have to. He has to just play the way he did at the end of last season. The points will automatically come well, by. Well, the, but that's no, no. an
4: assumption on your Correct. part that, that the is, points are automatically uh, going to come. Well, by. that with is a holiday, day or an run off okay, in a black. Okay, I get lineup. that, but well, you're also making a big assumption that's going to carry out over the course of right. seven to eight and, games.
3: And you're also assuming that those guys are all going to be in the lineup too. Exactly, which, that they're going to be healthy know. and
4: durable. And COVID's well,
3: not going to play a role as with too. any of these
1: discussions. You always have to assume that the guys will be playing at least somewhat close to full strength. That's that's you you have to make that baseline assumption for any of these conversations right
3: but I, I think just I think making the point though that a quarterback has to, you know because if you look at it the first year Paul Daniel Jones had that 24 to touchdown the to 27 had that 24 touchdown year right he didn't have Kenny Galladay that year he didn't have Kyle Rudolph that year and he only had Saquon Barkley at half strength because of the high ankle sprain so even without having those guys two years ago he was able to have that production I think that was the point Lance was trying to make you know what I'm saying well, I think he will have that production with those guys in the lineup. Great. Right. Right. That's you, all. You think. Correct. And that's the only point that I think Lance was gonna make. That's fine. Okay. Two one nine three nine four five one three. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about and, and this is not to be gloom and doom here, but if you guys foresee issues and Paul, you kind of answered this question a little bit when you when you talked about what you didn't need to happen. So if you want to expand on that you can or you can hit a couple different points if you want. Lance, what are the things that you're keeping an eye on where, like, all right, if things might go sideways, where are the areas of concern where you think they might go sideways?
4: Well, I think the first thing is the offensive line. Clearly, we brought that up earlier in the program. You want to feel good that Daniel Jones will be protected. He won't be under a lot of pressure. I think we saw a little good and a little bad in that preseason game against the New England Patriots. And also, that's tied into the run game, but... I feel good that based on the fact that the bulk of these offensive linemen played last season, they didn't have Saquon and they ran the ball effectively with a completely different running back would lead me to believe that I think they're in good shape to be able to consistently run the ball. Does that mean they're going to get 150 yards per game? No, No, but I do think that they could have a semblance of a run game. The wild card where things can, to your point, John, as you asked the question, go to the opposite end of the spectrum, is if the pass protection is not at least middle of the pack and Daniel's seeing a lot of pressure, there's two things that could come as a result of that. You're going to have, one, your quarterback's going to take hits, which you never want to see. Number two his mindset will be impacted where what does he then do with the football? Does he throw the ball away to avoid the bad play? Does he hold on to it too long where he fumbles it? You know, that's where you get into that gray area. So to me, that goes back to the offensive line because not only does it impact their performance, it also impacts Daniel Jones' decision-making. So that would be the area that I would look at that is a little bit concerning on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, I think it goes back to once again, No Dalvin Tomlinson. Who fills that role in stopping the run? They certainly have Austin Johnson. They have Danny Shelton, Dexter Lawrence. It's not as if they don't have guys that can't stop the run. But when you take out a staple that's been so consistent, you at least need to see a few games before you feel good about that. I think the other question is, outside of Leonard Williams, and Leonard is still a question mark whether or not he could get to double-digit sacks, but outside of Leonard, are you going to get somebody that you could say can give you six to seven sacks? Because remember, after Leonard Williams last season, there was a significant drop-off. It was four. That was the number. That was Kyler Fackrell, no longer on the team, Dexter Lawrence. He's still there. Each of those guys had four. Does Lorenzo Carter, does O'Shane Zimenez? does Azizo O'Jalari, do those three... Make the loss of Kyler Fackrell not a conversation, and do they then increase that production? That, to me, is right now in that gray area because we just don't know. So those are the things that I think could make or break the season.
1: Paul? Well, I've already given you my three Achilles. No sense in wasting more time.
3: Okay, on defense, I'm with Lance. I think finding that, that second pass rusher is important and finding that next consistent guy and getting again like I, I kind of mentioned this in in what you're talking about the pass rush if you can match your sack total from last year because I think you sure. are, you are going to be able to blitz a little bit more I think because you can play more man to man outside with with the Dory Jackson there I think that is important and the other thing with the defense I'll mention and, and Paul said this before and he's right you know we we bake in all our analysis here based on on injuries and you have to assume the guys are going to stay healthy until they don't, and then you figure it out. But I do think at two spots defensively for the Giants where I think you don't quite know what's going to happen behind two players if there is an injury, I think we've seen them shuttle outside cornerback depth-wise in and out of this roster over the course of this offseason trying to figure out who your backup outside cornerbacks are. So I think especially given Adoree Jackson's health the last couple of years. He's had trouble staying on the field his last two seasons. Him staying healthy at that cornerback spot opposite of Bradbury, I think is essential. I think it's very important because I don't think we quite know what it would look like if he has to miss significant time. And then the guy I don't think you worry about because he's been healthy his whole career is Blake Martinez at middle linebacker. He's He really hasn't really missed any games, but I think if he does have to, I think you wonder what that'll look like behind Blake and whether or not you kind of get the production and, and the level of play that you find necessary at that position um, if he happens to miss any time. But I think you feel good about the defense, and I think Lance headed offensively with the offensive one. That's my worry, too. Obviously, too, given they have injuries heading into the year. You look at Barkley, Galladay, Tony, Ingram. I think that's something that you have a concern about moving forward, and you see how they're going to do in Week 1 here. Obviously, you can't control injuries, but, you know— yeah, I th- and I think just having the offense be explosive enough. I think th- the improved running game with Barkley I think will probably help the red zone offense a little bit. You want to see Daniel be a little bit more efficient in the red zone with the contested catchy guys. Uh, to Paul's point, with Kenny Galladay and Kyle Rudolph, I think that that's going to help a lot in the red zone too. But I think you just need to increase the number of explosive plays, which I think, as Paul's point, you hope that happens with the improved talent around him. So... That's what I'm looking at. Those are the keys for me. And then I don't want to start doing Broncos yet today, guys. I think it's a little bit early in the week for that. We can start on Broncos tomorrow and Wednesday as we get into the opponent. But, callers, if you want to get in and talk to us about the opponents, you certainly can. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. All right, let's get to the phones here and open up the calls. But first, I want to remind all Giant fans that you still have a chance to become a Giant season ticket member. Don't miss out on the return of New York Giants football. The 2021 season is underway, but there is still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Rick in Tampa will lead us off today. Rick, what's going on?
2: Hey, I get to start it off. Happy Labor Day to you guys. I happen to Turn on the uh, we're going out by the pool and I hit on big blue and all of a sudden you're there. I didn't know you'd be on today. Great, happy Labor Day to all of you.
3: You too, my friend. What's up,
2: Paul? Hey, Paul, real quick, our embarrassment that we call a baseball team the Yankees are uh starting to let us down in a big way. So let's hope that they could uh turn the tide today, okay?
1: No worries, that- as Buck Showalter said on MLB Network last night. They had an obvious mental letdown against a team that is just absolutely putrid in the Orioles. They will be up for Toronto. The Blue Jays are hot. They're a tough competitor. They will be up for this team, and they'll make them pay for coming in here. Finding some bullpen help might help, too. But that's I hope
2: problem. so. I hope so, because that's the last thing I want to see is them blow this. Okay. They'll be right. Uh, two, two questions. Uh, well, what this, I like to ask you guys this every year, and since I'll be working all week, I will not be calling. So this is my shot to ask you this uh <clears throat> first of all on offense and defense who who do you think first year player or second year player could be our surprise player that they're talking about on ESPN that they're talking hmm. in about on fantasy who's that guy who we didn't see coming and just we never seem to have that player that's what I'm I always ask this question who do you think could be that on offense and defense, I'll ask all three of that question, Uh, that is going to be a breakout, It's going to make the headlines, they're going to be talking about them like, wow, where did he come from, all of that. Do you think there's a player, if you could give me one on each, offense and defense from you guys, uh, that's my first point. And uh, and I'll listen because I'll hang up and listen. Um, The second one is, do you think there's any uh, credence that the Giants possibly, as they look to this, uh, Broncos game, and then they have the short turnaround for a divisional game could be slightly maybe starting players, but still in the back of their heads, resting them and maybe not playing as much, thinking that, you know, if we lose to Denver, we need to beat Washington. So let me just throw that out to you. Is that had any credence to that thought, but most of all, I want to hear your uh, sleeper picks for the player that they're going to be talking about on ESPN and all that fantasy stuff, who's just Came out of nowhere. So, there you go.
3: Hi, Rick. Appreciate the call, man. Um, Let's start with the injury thing first, because I do think this is interesting, guys, and then we can get to his sleeper players at each position. Look, there's no doubt that the game against Washington in Week 2 is certainly the more critical game than your Week 1 game against Denver. But this is the National Football League, all right? Every game is immensely important. Just some games are a little bit more immensely important than the others. And – I think this is really just going to be a medical staff issue. I would think with a structural injury like Barkley, yes, maybe there are some concerns there, but, you know, week to week, if the knee is structurally sound, the structurally sound. So I think you're careful with him, but I don't think that's an issue with him necessarily. Now with a hamstring and a calf, like an Ingram and a Galladay, those two games back-to-back with a muscle injury, sometimes maybe there is an issue with that sort of quick turnaround. So, Obviously, this is going to be something the medical staff takes a look at. If a guy's like a game-day decision and they think it's really close, maybe err on the side of caution and you want to save him for the next week, I can see that. But this is going to be a real delicate balancing act. Obviously, when the league, Paul, created this schedule, they had no idea the Giants, aside from Barkley, would be dealing with you know some soft tissue injuries in week <laughs> one. But they certainly didn't do the Giants any favors with these soft tissue injuries they're dealing with at their skill positions.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the, the injury question, you know, I mean, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network did have a report this morning that says it looks very likely that Barkley will be cleared to play against the Broncos in week one. That is an unconfirmed report. It is his own report on NFL Network. If you've been listening to this program now for several weeks, I've been telling you pretty much the same thing that the arrows are pointing in the direction of Barkley being limited and probably on a pitch count. I introduced that several weeks ago. I believe that to be the most likely scenario. I have not changed my mind, and I don't think I will unless something incredibly, you know, dramatic happens this week. That's how I think it's going to turn out. Uh, In terms of uh, Galladay, you know, John, I think Galladay's going to, to probably play against Denver. If I had to guess, I would bet he would too. I mean, we've seen him run around a lot. Now, they're ghost routes, against air but he has done a lot of running turning cutting stopping going yes he's going to have to get jostled as the coaches said joe judge has made it clear guys have to get contacted before they get into a game well guess what the giants are going to probably have i'd say it's safe to say at least two kind of rough practices this week and it would not surprise me if those are the contacts That Joe Judge is talking about, and then you wind up seeing those guys who are gimpy. Now, Ingram is the one to me that is least likely to play against the Broncos as I sit here today. I reserve the right to change my mind. But but my feeling right now is he is the one who who would probably not go. I think all the other guys have a realistic chance of seeing some snaps.
3: Right. But the question from Rick Paul was how does the fact that they have the quick turnaround to Washington impact their usage in that game in week one?
1: Well, again, I, I've said all along, I believe you're talking about limited usage and snap counts. And for that's all, them. all part of and that's part of the equation for me. I don't think you immediately go all out, full go, with every guy who's been gimpy, knowing that you have that Washington game five days away. But that's, that, that's something I've never deferred on. I've, I
4: have always said that. Why would I and, change now? Well, and I don't know if the Washington game being on Thursday heavily influences that. I think even if they had a game on the following Sunday, I think with a lot of these guys, you'd be smart in monitoring The usage and workload, especially as Paul just mentioned, they haven't taken a lot of hits. And remember, taking a hit in a simulated practice that you could control is very different than what they're going to see on game day. I can guarantee you Vic Fangio's not telling the Denver Broncos, hey, guys, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, and Saquon Barkley are coming off of injuries. Let's be yeah. careful in terms of how we bring them Lance, up, okay? he's
1: telling the Broncos, just thud Barkley, okay? Don't exactly. hit him hard. <laughs> so my point is,
4: you could say all you want about, and I know Joe Judge has been on the record, and even Logan Ryan, I thought, brought up an interesting point when Judge was with Belichick, how Bill would tell guys to come over to the side field and work with some of the scout running backs and try to tackle them, some defensive players that were a little bit banged up. And that's great. And I think that at least gets you in the mindset of, okay, it's time to take some hits. we got to tackle them to the ground. But it's still very different than what a game is going to present. So I don't know if the short period of time changes that philosophy. I think guys coming off of injury in general, you'd want to at least be a little bit cautious. And here's the other thing I wanted to add. In terms of the importance of the game, remember – you have the additional regular season game now. So you have 17 regular season games. The division games are important, but the level of importance takes a slight hit with that additional non-divisional game. So you could go technically 6-0 in your division, and if you don't take care of business outside of your division, you may not still be in the hunt to get to the playoffs. So we also need to look at it through that lens. The additional regular season game waters down, I would argue, the importance of those divisional games in comparison to the rest of the schedule.
3: Well, overall, yes, but on a one-to-one basis, the one division game versus the one non-division game, the division game still obviously is more valuable than the non-division game. is my well, point. Well,
4: yeah, if you look at it on an island, meaning Denver versus Washington, yes. absolutely. But I'm talking about when we add up all the games at the end of the season, That additional non-divisional game is going to be just as important. It could very well be the difference between having a wild card and missing the playoffs.
1: You know, John, I think all of us would be totally in agreement That Yes, the divisional games will always carry more significance, regardless of how heavy you want to weigh them. They will always carry more significance. And if you had your choice, if you're the Giants and you were told you're going to split the first two, you'd want the Washington game. I don't think there's any debate about that, so let's not waste any time. But I think the one thing that you can say is that if the Giants were to lose the opener against Denver on on, uh, week one, You're talking about emotionally and psychologically an additional amount of pressure going down to Washington on Thursday because now you're telling the team, yeah, "Yeah, you can't go 0-2, okay? It's bad enough if you lose that divisional game on Thursday, but, oh, by the way, that means you are 0-2. So mentally and psychologically, there is an additional burden placed on you if you should fall to the Broncos. At least that's how I see it. Oh, I no, still think there's right. a lot of there's a lot of mental and emotional gymnastics that go into this game that many people still don't don't like to uh, to take into account. No,
3: Paul, I'm with you. I think it's extreme. And look, I've made this point each of the last few years. Since 2013, the Giants have started 0 and two every single mm-hmm. year except for one. And guess what? The year they didn't is the year that they made the playoffs in 2016. Yes. So. Yep. 100%, guys, I cannot stress this enough. It is so important to start this season somewhat fast. And I'm not saying you have to go 2 and 0, but can you just not go 0 2? <laughs> That's no. no it, that, really, that is all I'm asking for here. All right. If you split those first two, give me the sheet of paper. I will sign right name to it right now and say, give that to me, please. Okay. Understood. I mean, it, just the mindset. And the conversations, you know, if this was a regular year, how much different, guys, are the conversations at that lunch table on Monday starting 1-1 versus starting 0-2?
1: It is night and day. You don't even have to wait that long. (laughs) I'm telling you, (laughs) on September 13th, if the Giants beat the Broncos, the papers and the talk shows are going to be, all right, Joe Judge, Giants, off to a good start. Let's see if they can be in some business here this year. If they lose to the Broncos opening day, you already have doomsday sayers. Can't wait to bench the quarterback. Can't wait to fire the GM. Well, Paul, by the way, especially if the they lose, laps. especially
3: if they lose because the offense is poor, Daniel Jones turns it over and the offensive line gives up sacks. The
1: sure. overreaction, either way, the overreaction on September 13th is going to be dramatic. Because that's what the public has come to deal with, and specifically because the papers feed that garbage, toxic oatmeal down their throats every week.
4: Well, don't hold back in terms of how you truly feel, Paul. Lay it all out of the line there. Well, I, I think the reason why, though, maybe, I don't want to say the overreaction is ever warranted, but I think there may be some concern in terms of the media coverage as well as the fan base is, When you look at these two first opponents, you're going up against two very physical, strong defenses that are bringing back their cores for the most part from last season. So I think, as John alluded to, if the offense, let's say, hypothetically struggles against Denver, I think the mindset is going to be, well, now you have a short turnaround. You don't have as much time as you would in a normal full week, and you're going up against a very strong front that is just as challenging as what Denver presents. So who's to say that all of a sudden things are going to dramatically turn around in the span of a few days, and oh, by the way, maybe the roster is not fully healthy. So I can understand if that would be the mindset, assuming that's the result, of course. I'm going down a hypothetical road. I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's because I think of the similarity in the build of the opponent in the first two weeks of the season. I think that's why perhaps the narrative would end up in that direction.
3: Okay, now let's hit the second part of Rick's question. The sleeper player on offense and defense. i got to be honest with you, and I'm just going to pull the parachute on the first one, unless you can count Andrew Thomas. I don't think there is a sleeper player on offense, right? The guys that are getting get all these snaps are the guys we know, right? Gallaudet, Shepard, Slayton, Ingram, Saquon, Jones. Well, if those guys are getting all the snaps, who's going to be the sleeper player? You know what I mean? So I don't think you really have a skill position guy that can be a sleeper player on offense, to be quite honest with you. But defensively, I think I would look at two different guys. I think Lorenzo Carter is one possibility, and I think Xavier McKinney is the other for me. Those are the two guys that I think could kind of have you know, burst breakout years and I think we were saying this about Carter last year until his injury, but I think those are the guys that could have that could potentially have breakout years and maybe you want to throw Julian Love in the mix so you could do that too. That could really help this defense and and be guys that are breakout stars. Paul, how about you?
1: I just don't think you can qualify anybody as a sleeper player. I mean, as you said, all the offensive guys, you already know who the touches are going to go to. You pretty much know who the starters are going to be. So how can you pick anybody to be a sleeper on offense? You can't unless you consider Devontae Booker, and I don't think you can I mean, because we've all been talking about him for What months. about Kyle Rudolph?
4: I think How he could was he a sleeper player? A he was a, a big-name free
3: agent. Yeah, I mean, I guess I really he's sleeper. the only huge. guy I think that could qualify is Kadarius Tony, and I just don't think he's going to get the snap counts. It's a first-round pick. Pay that guy. Yeah, How no. can he be a
1: sleeper? He's a first-round pick. A good point, too. Good okay, point too. And, then, and then on defense, the only guys who qualify as sleepers, per se, okay, Raymond Johnson would be a sleeper because he was a, a nobody, you know, coming into training camp, and he made the team. So he's a sleeper. Ro- Roche would be a sleeper. Because yeah, he obviously just made well, it to the roster Paul, I, this week. I, I, I think Cam
3: Brown, maybe? I, I think you're looking at it from a Giants-centric point of view. I think from a national audience perspective, I think Lorenzo Carter's a sleeper. From you do. a national If you ask some random fan of the Chargers, do you think they have any idea who Lorenzo Carter is?
1: Yeah, maybe not. Not I probably well, not, right? Look, he did, he, he, he did play for a big-time program at Georgia. was a third-round pick. He's been around for a few years. I don't know that I consider him a sleeper at all. But I understand your point. I mean, we know all these guys and so to us these guys are not sleepers. I, right. I, I could understand maybe, yeah. Maybe maybe some some California surfer dude who doesn't know anything <laughs> past the Chargers wow, with, or the Rams or the 49ers, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe they don't know who Lorenzo Carter is. Okay? No, the
4: premise yeah, of the question. I, I could see that. Paul, the premise of the question was if you turn on ESPN and you hear about a New York Giant. I'd so- like to give them a little more credit that they
1: know who Lorenzo Carter is. I think I think you're talking more guys like uh, um, uh, Josh Jackson and Cam Brown and Raymond Johnson and Quincy Roche. You're talking I
4: mean, those are sleepers. Those are well, deep yeah, right? sleepers. Right? Yeah, but See, to me, it def- depends on how you define sleeper. Right. I, I think Paul's definition of sleeper is different than the next person. So, yeah, you know, I think that's the really really problem.
1: I agree, I agree with you. So I don't have any, really. I mean, I, uh, you, uh, if you're going to push me to okay, give how you about one, this, how I'm going to okay. give you a call to Coughlin. Okay. I think Carter Coughlin, <laughs> a seventh round pick.
4: All right. How about the Chargers pick? fans know about Carter
3: Coughlin, by the way? I don't think no. they do. Okay. okay. I don't right. think I they do. So I'm going to go Carter one. Coughlin. All right.
1: How about. All right. Lance,
3: you give your answer. Uh, maybe if you want to phrase it this way instead. Who maybe is going to make their first ever Pro Bowl that is not a national name? Oh, I, boy. Well,
4: we haven't answered that at cover three well, enough at
1: county.com. <laughs> <the> <laughs> oh, my
3: God. Anyway. It's our a, annual answer, question go ahead, Lance. Lance.
4: Me, I know. Just give you your answer and i got to call. I want to answer the sleeper question. Because I have no problem looking at it, but I want to give you my definition of sleeper first so you understand where I'm coming from. My definition of sleeper is... A player that, within the context of the team, is not necessarily considered a superstar because maybe he's a little bit hidden because of the other notable names. So Kyle Rudolph is a sleeper to me because if you named all those other guys and John, when you listed all those offensive personnel, you didn't name Kyle no, Rudolph. I didn't. You're fair. Okay. You're so fair. Rudolph, then, if Rudolph gets to the point where he's a big red zone target, I even I think one of my bold predictions this season was that Rudolph could very well lead the team in receiving touchdowns. He's to made not two Pro Bowls. He can't be a sleeper. He's been to- the Pro Bowl twice. Yeah, I mean, but
1: he's never on, been man. within the
4: context of the Giants. No,
1: I'm waving a penalty flag. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's
4: fine. You can wave <laughs> the penalty, but once again, I'm giving you the context of how I define sleeper. Though fine. So, <laughs> sleeper, though. Fine. so he's probably going to start opening day. I mean, okay. Were but then when, when Evan he comes, comes he back, can you guarantee me how many snaps he, he was he get get and How many sub-
1: targets? He wasn't supposed to be the starter, though.
4: Put it when this they right. signed him. Caden Smith is much more of a sleeper than Kyle. Yes, but he's never going to play enough to be the guy,
3: though. But
4: here's the quick. Do you think Caden Smith has the potential to lead the team in receiving touchdowns? Nico Lalos is my sleeper. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay. So I'm trying to go with somebody. Once again, I'm thinking about the premise of the question. The premise (laughs) of the question was who could ESPN be talking about? on a national scale that's right. helping the Giants when it's all said and done. Kyle Rudolph to me fits that bill. Does he not?
3: Yeah, no, I think he does. Okay. I think
4: they've probably been talking about him for months anyway. But that's Well, I don't know what point. program you've been watching, <laughs> Paul, but I'd love to know on a national scale who the hell has been crowning Kyle Rudolph <laughs> being the key centerpiece to the Giants this season. You show me the program on your DVR. Please. I think me any, that fine.
1: I think anybody okay. with any intelligence, especially if they've heard Joe Judge talk about the fact that he was the one who pushed for Rudolph because he he is yes. an end zone and red zone and third down yeah, target. But ESPN's not. We all know that. ES, you think ESPN's listening to Joe George press? I'd like <laughs> to give them credit for having some intelligence, for God's sakes. Have you watched some ESPN? some intelligence? <laughs> of course, some of their beat people don't. But ah, oh, wow, you whatever. are very cantankerous. Chargers today, fans, you know, ESPN geez. beat
4: guys, boy, we're really <laughs> in equal opportunity. He's a two-time
1: today. Pro Bowl player. He can't be a sleeper. I, I I'm sorry.
4: Well, but a Go sleeper right. within the Giants. Go though. Ahead. All Go of ahead. your references are what he did with the Vikings, though. He wow. has yet to play one You're regular season game with the Giants. You're Mike
1: Lennon. I mean, really. <laughs>
4: Go ahead. Paul, oh, you are cranky today. Usually, if Mike Glennon usually plays,
1: to...
4: <laughs> you're not going to be talking I, about sleep or something tells me. I okay? slept
1: very well last night, John. Usually... I already got my five in this morning. I did about 40 miles the last three days.
4: I am cooking for week one. Yeah, you did should... you eat breakfast? I am ready to go. Because it sounds like you're a bit hangry. Okay? That's what it sounds like. I did the Cheerios make the table this morning? Did you run out of you milk and is? nobody went to the, Lance, the supermarket? Lance,
1: to be really truthful with you, I'm yes. so done talking about all. All these hypothetical pieces of you know what. Well, thank you for I joining getting, the show today, Paul. I, well, <laughs> because I want real games, Well, well so do I. Real yet. games, real matchups. All these hypotheticals are just making me puke. I'm green
4: with disgust um, over well, I all think the hypotheticals. Once again, it was a harmless question it about who could be question. talked about on a national scale when it's all said and done. So exactly. if I could just continue my answer <laughs> all right, before I we, we please. lay out Armageddon, which apparently personal against Paul you on is alluding to here. I do not.
1: It is just a penalty flag. It's nothing personal. Okay.
4: Well, I was trying to make a case for Kyle Rudolph. Clearly, Paul's never going to come around, so I think I made my case. On defense, I'm going in the direction of John. Lorenzo Carter, to me, is a very strong candidate. But I also think Xavier McKinney, I think, fits that bill because – now, Paul, again, could disagree. He was a second-round pick. He wasn't a first-round pick. Out of Alabama, who should okay. have been a first-round
3: so, pick. Here's, okay, here's uh, right. so See, so here we go. What no, I tell you, John, no I know we're going to get counted. No player from Alabama one. can ever be a sl- In fact, no player no. from the SEC, I don't think, can ever be a Wait, sleeper. Wait, can Reggie right? Ragland be a
1: sleeper?
4: Does that apply? <laughs> Paul,
1: do I have your blessing? You could absolutely use Reggie Ragland.
4: Okay, I, yeah, but that would probably require Blake Martinez being hurt. Reggie so something Raglan, tells me you don't want to hear about I, that. I
1: believe Reggie Raglan was a, was a either a late first or early yeah, second-round pick, Yeah, but because he's had a relatively journeyman type career. If he winds up making some very big plays this year because Martinez can't play, or he plays next to Martinez and makes a bunch of game changing plays, I think that would absolutely qualify. Yeah, but, see, but I don't I'm think gonna he's going to do that,
4: John, because see, three Crowder's fan bases got a better chance of Reggie making Raglan. big plays than Reggie Ragland <laughs> <laughs> Raglan does. Okay, guys,
3: Lance, just give the rest of your no, answer. No, because on see, the Chiefs, please. the
4: Lions, and the Giants <laughs> fan bases know that Reggie Ragland exists. So that, to me, does not meet the criteria of sleeper as a result. Oh, so my. I'm going to throw up my own penalty flank okay,
3: here. Okay, Lance, just finish your oh, answer. I'm you, <laughs> sorry
4: you asked me to change days, John. I guess I am. I, yeah. have, I have Kendall <laughs> on the line here. I want to get to him. Lance, finish your answer, please. Well, I do think McKinney will classify as a sleeper because, once again, he barely played last season, and I think we saw some flashes at the tail end of the season. And here's the other reason why he could be a sleeper. Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers are your top two safeties. Mm-hmm. McKinney's going to still see time on the field, but if he makes the most of perhaps his snaps, depending on where he lines up and is versatile and opportunistic enough, yeah, I think there's a chance that maybe on a national scale, McKinney will get a little bit more attention. So absolutely, I think he fits that. Bill. Paul,
3: even under your stringent definition, would Julian Love fit the criteria?
1: He would be. Hey, all right. Went to Notre Dame, though. It's a big-time program. Yeah, but he's the fourth safety and was a (laughs) fourth-round pick. All right. let's. let's, He would qualify.
3: Let's get back to the calls, taking all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giants suites are a great way to entertain your family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. And speak with the Giants suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. All right, let's go back to the phone. They may want to ask for alcohol when they make that phone call, too, <laughs> but anyway. Kendall is up in Canada, and I she joins us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hi, Kendall.
5: Hey, how you doing? Oh, it's a he. I'm sorry, Kendall. You. Hello. My are, man. What's up?
3: Uh,
5: what's up is, what about Roderius Williams? Would he be a sleeper yes, pick? Yes,
1: absolutely. Sure. I think that would yes. be
0: a
5: great
1: pick. I concur. You could use him.
5: Uh Oh, good. I got good. So now I, that everyone's back on the same page. Yes, thank you, Kendall. To get well my done. Bold prediction by the in.
3: way, by the way, Kendall, leave it to somebody <laughs> from the very, from the very usually get along country of Canada to bring everybody together to agree on something. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, now I branch has all been laid out
5: and sing kumbaya. Yes. We'd be all set. <laughs>
3: yes. Absolutely. Go ahead. What do you got, Kendall?
5: I just wanted to give my bold prediction before the – but I didn't know if I – like I didn't know listening to that previous whether it was a good time to give a bold prediction because I'm almost a little bit scared now (laughs) to give
3: my bold prediction. Yeah, you should be Yeah, because because Paul is very cranky today. So I would be very – I think Lance and I will be much more accepting of your bold prediction. Give it a
1: shot and we'll see if it meets with Paul's stringent criteria of approval. Can we let Coach Judge let me play special teams today? I just want to hit somebody.
5: Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So my bold prediction is you got to, it's a two-parter. So the first part is Daniel Jones is going to throw for 4,000 yards. But here's the kicker. Here's what makes it bold. He's going to be in the top three of rushing quarterbacks as well.
3: Okay. I think that's okay. Where did he finish last year, Lance? You know how that, is that bold
4: enough? That's what I was going to look up actually right now. My guess I'm is pretty that, sure he was top four. My guess is yeah, that he that's was why I don't know how bold that he is. He
3: was definitely behind Kyler and Lamar Jackson. I'm trying to think who else would potentially be in front of him. Maybe Deshaun Watson would have been in front of him, right? I'm trying to think who else would maybe be in front of He was probably top five, but I think if, if he's top, four, top three rushing and 4,000 yards, I, I think that's okay. It's not super bold, but I would say. Minorly bold, maybe? Quasi bold, if you like?
5: <laughs> what about if we did what if we what if we changed it to nine hundred yards?
3: Whoa, nine hundred rush? That would certainly be bold. Absolutely. That would be bold. Right, nine hundred would be
1: extremely well, bold.
5: Uh, how much did he have last year?
4: Rushing yards you're asking about? Daniel yeah, Jones' right. rushing yards last season was 423.
3: I would say even if you went as high as 700, Kendall, I would consider that bold.
5: All right, well, let's go 750 then, just because we make it over the edge.
3: Okay. You're on the board. I'm putting it up.
5: Okay. Write, that, write that one down. And, Paul, right?
1: I'm, okay I'm okay with that. There are medication with with
5: deep breathing. With deep, <laughs> with deep breathing, you know, when deep breathe, Breathe through the next seven or eight days to keep yourself calm until the regular season starts. But I understand where you're coming from. I think we're all sick of all talk, and now we want to see it. As a Giants fan, for me, I'm tired of the talk, too. I want to see it on the field.
1: There you go.
3: Thank you, Kendall. Appreciate the call.
4: I looked up, by the way, the quarterbacks. Yeah. It yeah. looks like it's Lamar, Cam, Deshaun Watson, Damn. then Daniel Jones. Okay, so he was he fourth. was fourth. That's yes. what I thought. that's why I didn't think it was a bold prediction. No, That's fair. And but, if you want to look at the just the total number, Lamar Jackson had just over thousand rushing yards. Okay. So if Daniel gets nine hundred, that's bold. Did anyone else that's finish? With, anyone
3: else finish with over seven fifty, which is where he landed on his final
4: prediction? Now let me see. Here. Kyler the Murray had next quarterback after Lamar right. Jackson was Cam, yeah. who had five ninety two. So, no, to answer your question. Mar- no, Murray did. no, No, Murray yeah, see, had- I'm sorry. I, I see Kyler, I Murray. Kyler Murray Kyler Murray at yeah.
1: 819.
3: Okay, so
4: I skipped Kyler Murray. All right. Yep. So, that means that Daniel was just out. He was in the top Thank five then. He was yeah. in the top four.
1: I'm
3: actually seeing him at seven behind oh, De- that Deshaun well. Watson, Taysom Hill, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson.
4: You know what? I'm looking through the entire rushing total because they don't allow you to skip just to the quarterback, so it's possible I may have missed the guy. I thought I carefully okay. looked at it. So if that's the case, you're seeing – because I saw him within the top five. because yeah, He I, had more than Josh Allen. Josh Allen had 421 rushing yards yep, last season. He's one, ahead had 423.
1: Of, he's one ahead of Josh Allen and just yeah. behind Deshaun Watson.
3: So, Pearson, one more time. Give us the players yeah. that are ahead of him, So please. First, it's Lamar Jackson, then Kyler Murray, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Taysom Hill, Deshaun Watson, Daniel Jones. There you go. Taysom Hill, yeah, that's a good one. Taysom Hill would be ahead of him. I didn't even think about him. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Thank you, Pearson. And by the way, Pearson's going to be with us for most of the year. He's doing a great job. And do you know how you know he's into it? He actually, on Friday, when they gave the whole department off, Pearson came in. Was very happy to do it. Didn't complain just to do BBK in the morning. And now he's here again on a Labor Day. So we welcome Pearson as our producer for most of the year. We'll have Taylor stepping in as well, depending on the day. But uh, we welcome Pearson. Can to he the mix. be
1: our most underrated teammate?
3: Yes, he can be. Absolutely. And Pearson's also helping me post these up now every day, which is taking a lot off my plate. There
1: you go. Very, very helpful. He's we we agree job. on that one, right? He's yes. the sleeper. Correct.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Happy to be here. Yeah. ESPN will, I'm sure, be talking about that by the time the season ends. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Absolutely. All right guys, we got about twelve minutes to go. We do have open lines right now. I know it's a it's a holiday, so people are kind of off their schedule. They're not trying to sneak in some BBK on their lunch break. But if you're out there and you want to get in, we got twelve minutes, we can do it. 201-939-4513. And just a reminder, on September 26th, watch the Giants retire Eli Manning's jersey in style. We are offering an exclusive suite package, which includes Eli bobbleheads, jerseys, T-shirts, more. Speak with the Giants suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925, select option four. All right, I don't really have another topic here, Paul. So since you're so cranky, can you give me something that's on your mind here that, 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 might, that Lance and I might be able to enjoy or, or have fun with as you anxiously and apparently angrily await the start of the regular season? What are you thinking about this year? What's the first thing right now, besides the Yankees, football-wise, on Paul DeTino's mind, on this beautiful Labor Day Monday, six days before the start of the regular season?
1: Well... To be honest with you, John, I'm really curious to see about the Broncos' edge rushers. Uh, we know that last year Von Miller was banged up and did not have his typical year. And Well, I'm he didn't
3: play at all last year and the year before. He, That's what he, I mean. I,
1: in the year before,
3: you're right. In 19, he did not have, he only, what, eight sacks, I he think? He was not
1: Superman dominant. Yep. He had 16 the year before that, okay. so yes. And so, to be frank with you, um, I am very curious. I I I do not know. I know what Bradley Chubb is. I know he's younger. I know he's healthier, and I think pretty much he's going to be a very very significant player for them. He was good in last that opening year. Opening game. Yep. He led them in yeah. but last I'm year. I'm not year. sure what Von Miller is. That's a good question. I don't know. Is he is he still a guy living off his reputation? Or is he a guy that's ready to come out of the box and give the Giants hell? Yeah, and he is, I just
3: don't know. And he is 32 years old now. Like He's he's, he's on the wrong side of 30, so there could be a decline here in the books. I think that's this a This is question. why
1: I stay up every night. I worry about stuff
4: like this.
3: Okay, okay Lance, how about you? <laughs> you well, The other thing I was
4: going to add is Bradley Chubb and Von Miller also have only been on the field together for four games since 2019 because of the injuries to both players. So I think that's the other thing that's somewhat intriguing. How does each one of them help one another? Because, you know, Von Miller certainly could benefit from having Bradley Chubb on the field and vice versa. So even if Miller may have lost this step, which we're talking about maybe from a hypothetical standpoint, does the presence at focus on Bradley Chubb then, Give him some favorable matchups, depending on how the Giants look to attack. I think, listen, going into this game, I can tell you one thing. The Giants are not playing the game of coulda, woulda, shoulda. They're looking at Von Miller 100%, an extremely oh, sure. disruptive player. Uh,
3: you and have I, to. Yeah, you have yeah. to. And I'm going to add this to, you know, last year you look at the Broncos' rankings and you're like, why this? Why has Schmuck said the last two weeks they're so good defensively and, and, and they're going to be real problematic and, you know, it might be tough scoring points. Well, Miller coming back is one, to your point, Paul. But they have completely revamped their cornerback core. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I'm putting this up in my Broncos preview a little bit later on this week. But I added it up. Last year, guys, they played Michael Ojemudia. I think I have the pronunciation right, Lance. A.J. Boye, Asang Bassey, Will Parks, Devontae Bowsby, Parnell Motley, Devontae Harris, Duke Dawson Jr., Nate Hairston, and Kevin Tolliver. Those cornerbacks combined for
4: 2,343 snaps last year for them. I
3: don't think any of them are still on the team. Not one of them are on yeah. the roster anymore.
4: They're all gone. And they had a lot of injuries. That's why so many of those guys broke. Correct. The,
3: the only guy that's back is Bryce Callahan, who's going to slide back into that nickel slot cornerback spot. He's a good corner. They've added Kyle Fuller, two-time pro bowler, one-time all-pro. Ronald Darby, has he's a little mercurial, but he's been a solid starter in this league for six years. And they drafted Patrick Sertan second in the first round. Love him. So this is a completely revamped cornerback core, which is why I think so many people, including myself, believe the Broncos are going to have a really revamped and better defense. And I wonder how that's going to impact how Vic Fangio calls that back. I know he's not the DC, but, you know, he's kind of running that defense. How he handles his coverage combinations. Because last year, which is not what Vic Fangio has done before, they ran a lot of cover one, they ran a lot of cover three. He's always been more of a two-deep safety type of guy. So I'm curious how this revamped cornerback core will allow him to call things a little bit differently, maybe blitz a little bit more given how much better these cornerbacks going to be. So that, that's one thing this week that kind of interests me. John,
1: valid comments for the season. However, for week one, I don't know how many snaps these guys have played or played together during the preseason. And we've all talked here in New York about how few snaps the Giants' first-string offense has played and how disjointed they've looked. Well, how disjointed is that defense going to look if they haven't played much together? No, that's fair. So too. in week one... You know, chemistry is a big issue in Week One, and I, I've talked about this on other shows. On how September, you're going to see teams that are specially being rebuilt or retooled or tweaked. There are going to be some rough spots. And look, I love Patrick Surtain. I Paul very quickly. I love him.
3: Paul very quickly. But he,
1: he's going to make rookie mistakes. I'm actually going to give you the
3: numbers. This yeah. this preseason, Kyle Fuller 34 snaps, Ronald Darby 34 snaps, Bryce Callahan 31 snaps. And I'm looking for Sertan here. It's a long list of snap counts because there's a million corners. 49 snaps. So you're right. They have played basically a half a game yeah. worth of football together this, this, this that's preseason. That's not a
4: lot, John. Well, but I think it's important to note, guys, that both of their starting safeties played all 16 games no, last that's season. That's true. And they're so, veterans and they're good. Correct. Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons are both polished guys. Number two, Kyle Fuller as John was talking about the dynamics of the defense, was in Vic Fangio's defense when he was the Bears' defensive coordinator. Also a good point. So they have history together. Bryce Callahan, who is the only returning corner but was banged up, was also part of the Bears' secondary and played with Kyle Fuller in Chicago. So Ronald Darby, I would argue, and Patrick Sertan are really the new guys who you could say they're learning the scheme. And in Sertan's perspective, he hasn't had, obviously, any NFL regular season snaps. So I get... Paul's point, but I do think the familiarity angle, similar to some guys with Patrick Graham and Joe Judge, I think that could maybe help offset some of the unknown in the preseason.
3: All right, let me have one more call. And just a reminder, folks, now that we're in the regular season, I know we're going to get a lot of calls here. So, Let's try to limit the regulars to to one. If you want to do one call reacting to the previous game and one call looking ahead to the next one, so maybe do two calls in a week, that's fine. But I don't want to do much more than that. I want to make sure I give other people a chance to get in here as we try to maximize our hour we have each day to talk Giants football. With that said, let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine. Hi, Charlie.
0: (laughs) Hey, guys. Hey, John, the only reason I called, you said the lines were empty, so that's that's why I
3: called. That is fair. Not a problem. What's up?
0: <laughs> yeah, I got Lance two is I think just tremendous. Yes, <laughs> now he couldn't finish the show
4: unless Charlie called, obviously. So,
0: <laughs> hey, look, there's two things that I, I think is going to be for this game coming up, but also for the season: is can we stop the run like we did last year without Tomlinson and without Hill. Ooh. Now, you, by the way, Charlie, I'm not sure if you're
3: listening, but Lance said the exact same exactly thing at the I start said. of the show. No, so I Lance him, and no.
0: Charlie completely
3: in sync. Are you guys going to sing Kumbaya together? I think we should.
0: <laughs> Team Lance well, and I Charlie. I need Charlie to
4: agree with me for me to <laughs> feel good about where I stand. So, yeah.
0: Right, right. Same with me. I mean, you know, it doesn't validate me if Lance thinks the same thing. To tell you the truth, <laughs> all right. What I'm else? Glad he, he does. All right. What else? I'm you glad got you, he right. does. What else? Yeah, but you know, the reason I'm saying that because Shelton, he, he's injured right now. But in 2019, he played 16 games, In 2020, he only played 12. So I don't know. And he's injured right now. I don't think this guy can play 17 games. He, you know, he's he's he, he might be da- going on the downside of you know, getting injuries. Charlie, I think he's on
1: load maintenance, to be frank with you, and I'm not trying to be funny. And more importantly, he's going to be an early down, run-stopping defensive lineman. They're not going to need him to play 60 snaps a week.
3: And they also have Austin Johnson to play that role, too. Sure. Dexter Lawrence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I mean, I still think there's a problem there. And then on the other side, this offensive line has got to do at least one thing well. It has to be able to run the ball. If we can run the ball with Barkley, you know, I know the first game, is, he's probably not going to get 100 snaps. But if we can run the ball against Denver, and I don't know how stout they are up front. I mean, you guys probably know better than no, me. No, actually, but last run- year,
3: Charlie, I can tell you right now, because yes. I'm starting to do my scouting okay. for them. Last year, the Broncos' run defense was not very good. They were tied for 28th in the league with 17 runs of 20-plus yards allowed, and they gave them a lot of big plays. So their rush defense last year was probably one of the weaknesses of their defense. Just an example, on first down runs, they were 29th in the league, five yards a carry. Second down runs, 27th in the league, 4.9. So you can run on them.
1: Yeah, their three yes, down linemen up front, up front are not too. very impressive, and neither are their inside linebackers. Yeah, they have
3: they have, yeah. they, have, they have one change up front. They have Shelby back, yep. but uh, Purcell, I believe, is new. Correct, Lance? Or he yeah. only played minor snaps last Well, well And good. also
4: Draymond Jones, who was their third-round pick, has improved too. Yep. He's a guy to watch this season on the edge as well.
0: Well, say, say well, that's the thing. If we can run the ball, then we're not going to have to worry so much about their pass rush. But if we cannot run the ball, That's a good point. we're in deep trouble. We're in deep trouble. That's all I got, guys. Thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. Wow. I got to give Charlie credit.
3: You want to talk about getting off to a good start? That was Charlie's version of getting off to a good he start. He was very logical, season. John. It was a good call. Logical. Can I even can I even get Lance to
1: say that was a pretty solid call out of You time. know what? Charlie must have like rubbed a bunch of Annika on the top of his head.
3: Or, or or maybe he like stole your sense this morning, Paul, and, and like your good mood. He like
4: he like absorbed it and that's why you're so cranky Wow. You, I don't know. You guys switch roles. Well, I'm not going to give him credit because he basically repeated everything I said earlier in the program. <laughs> oh, so oh, for wow. all we know, he was listening and then just decided wow. to regurgitate it to all of us.
3: Now, wow. in fairness, given your relationship with him, Lance, I feel like that would not be what he – I think he would just go try to go opposite you just to try to get on your nerves it's usually, It's possible,
4: right? but once again, he said – "See." I'm going back to what he said, and this is where his words could come back to harm him. He said the reason he called is because you said there were open lines, no, which clearly that. is a lesson sure. that we should all learn that should never be said on this program <laughs> because all that's going to do is give him more ammunition. And he wanted to add something to the program. He didn't add anything to the program because that was already said earlier in the program.
3: Fair, but I, apparently he, he missed the start of the show. So
4: That's not necessarily a bad thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> if he missed the remainder of the show, that would really be a good thing.
3: Uh, this take difference.
4: All right, guys. This is a good start to the week. Just a
3: reminder, if you people out there listening that missed the start of the show, this will be our start time for the, the entire regular season, 1230 to 130. We'll be with you throughout the year. Paul, myself, Lance, Jeff, the usual crew. We're gonna mix in some Howard Cross, mix in some David Deal. Um, I'm hoping we're going to have Phil Sims back on a few times this year as well to preview some of these games. So it should be a lot of fun as we continue our season of Big Blue Kickoff Live. And, of course, you can check out the Giants Huddle podcast as well. Last Friday, I posted up our NFC East Roundtable. I brought in one of the team reporters from each of the three teams to talk about About the NFC East, and today it's already up there. I have not promoted it yet on my Twitter feed, on the Giants Huddle podcast feed. Our NFC East Roundtable with Tom Rock, Paul Schwartz, and Art Stapleton previewing the Giants season. And of course, stay tuned to the Giants Huddle podcast all year. We'll have a rapid reaction podcast after each game, we'll have a game preview every Friday with an exclusive Joe Judge interview and a player interview. Uh, The interviews, the long versions, you'll hear the shorter versions on the radio broadcast on Sunday. You'll hear the full versions on the podcast. And then, of course, for the next month and a half, you'll still have our all-in NYG podcast, which you'll post every Wednesday, leading up to the celebration of Super Bowl Forty Six. It's celebrating the 10th anniversary of that championship team. So make sure you tune into the Giants Auto Podcast for that. And again, once again, Big Blue kick off every weekday, 1230 to 130, Pearson at the controls, and our usual group of hosts. For Lance, For Paul, I am Schmelk. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend. We're back at it Tuesday at 1230 right here on the Giants mobile app and on Giants.com.